Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, part of the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of Fans First Sports Network, FFSN. We're excited for a lot of good stuff coming up on that front with the NFL draft on the horizon. But I'm excited for this specific podcast. It is Monday. That means it's time for the Monday Morning Conversation. Have one of my good friends coming back, and that is none other than Christopher Carter, CC, Chris Carter, not the Hall of Fame wide receiver, but you know who I'm talking about, formerly of Behind the Steel Curtain, now of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, covers the Pitt Panthers, as well as he does a lot of stuff with the Steelers. He's in... He's in there asking Mike Tomlin questions on Tuesday. He's in the locker room talking to players. I always enjoy Chris's insight. And what I wanted to talk with Chris about in this conversation, which you're about to hear, is the intrigue surrounding the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers. There is so much intrigue, in my opinion, with this upcoming team. When you consider where they're going to go in the NFL draft, the moves that have been made, and also thinking about the team kind of retrospectively in terms of 2022, who do they have coming back? Who did they lose? How is that going to impact the team down the road? We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about all of that, and we're going to get right to it. So coming up right after this break, word from our sponsors. You're going to hear Chris Carter on the Monday Morning Conversation. We'll be right back. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is Monday. It is the Left Ride Podcast, which means it's time for the Monday morning conversation. I have one of my best friends in the business on with me. That's Christopher Carter. Chris, what's up, man? How's it going? What's up, Jeff? We're back. It's awesome to be back with you, friend. Yeah, man. We go back a long time. And what's really funny, and I've said this before, I consider Chris a really good friend. If he needed yes. something, he can call me and vice versa. Never met him in person once, but I feel that's, like I know. That's the so crazy well. part. That's the crazy part. Dude, you got to come to like Steelers training camp this year or something. Like yeah. we got to make this happen. We will try and make it happen. This year, maybe we'll get up there to Latrobe. I'd love to, to sit down and, and, and have a drink or, you know, just, yeah. just meet you in person for crying out loud. But still, Chris, <laughs> I'm going to let you jump out here right off the bat. We had, I had your uh, partner, uh, 
partner in crime, so to speak, Brian Batko on last week. Go ahead and tell everyone, because people might know you from back in the Behind the Steel Curtain days when you used to do podcasts with us, and then you went to another Pittsburgh outlet. Not going to talk about that, but still, <laughs> where are you doing now? Tell everyone what you're up to. Okay, I'm up to a lot. So I, I still host the Locked On Steelers podcast, which you can find uh, on your favorite podcasting app and YouTube, just like you find this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I work for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where I cover all things pit athletics, pit football, pit basketball, when volleyball and those guys, and those teams start crushing it, I start, I cover them as well. Um, but I, I work for the Post-Gazette. I get to, I also host shows for them. I'm in the Steelers locker room. I'm at Steelers games. Uh, it's just, it's un, it's an unthinkable blessing that when I first, I hopped on with Behind the Steel Curtain, when I was still in law school in like 2012, 2013. Yep. And then uh and then like I carried that on. And when Jeff came on and Jeff took over, I kind of you know became like you know this the his right hand for a bit. Uh and it's crazy to think I went from just you know you know doing doing you know writing articles and just doing stuff on the side while I was advancing in my legal career and then while I was you know, doing podcasts with Jeff in, you know, in, in my bedroom. Now like I'm full fledged. <laughs> I got all this stuff. I'm on TV. I'm on radio. To think I've gone this far yeah. from where I started with Behind the Steel Curtain, it's just uh, it's such a blessing. Well, you know, we talked about this before we went on the air, and a lot of people have approached me throughout my career and said, you know, how did you get your start? And Chris Carter and myself can are the epitome of you have to grind. Like yeah. you, it's not just going to be handed to you. You've got to work your tail off, outwork the competition. And if you do that, the cream always rises to the top, as I always say. So let's talk about some Pittsburgh Steelers. You covered on the Locked On Steelers podcast. It's the only other podcast network I ever promote outside of our own Steel Curtain Network as a part of Fans for Sports Network. So make sure you check out Chris's work there. But still, man, there's a lot of intrigue, in my opinion, about these 2023 Steelers. And for a lot of reasons that I want to talk about with you as the NFL draft approaches in just a couple weeks. But let's go back. Let's rewind the tape a little bit. When you think back to last season, I mean, is there more? Is there a more important position in professional sports than quarterback of an NFL franchise? Right. When you think back on last season and what Kenny Pickett did, both when he first came in in week four at halftime against the New York Jets, all the way to the completion of the four-game winning streak, winning seven of nine in the second half post-bye, where do you view... Kenny Pickett in terms of his progression and what are your expectations for him in 2023? I think Kenny Pickett was figuring out all the things he didn't need to do, all the things that like he needed to avoid. And I think he was figuring out where he fits into the NFL, what works, what doesn't work. And I think he was learning how to build, build relationships in the NFL while also dealing with this, the incredible pace change that is college quarterback to NFL quarterback people. I think people underestimate that so much with when we talk about how much faster the game is quarterbacks have to know everyone on the field, not just the offense, but what the defense likes to do. And there's so many of those decisions that go calculated. And it's why you can't, it's why it's so hard to find great quarterbacks who aren't just, I don't, don't, don't just have arm talent, don't just have leg talent, but can put their skills together and also have understanding of what goes on on the field and how to respond to what goes on on the field. Because it's also it's one thing to know, but then it's another thing to execute. And I think Kenny Pickett started to execute at the at, at the end of last season. And you saw with a lot of his game winning drives, he that guy. He's a gamer, but he also practices really hard. And I think that that is a dangerous combination for any person to have. And 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 then that'll make them a really talented player in any sport. You know, you hear about gamers, guys that they may not practice their best. But when it's game day and the lights turn on, they are on fire. But Kenny Pickett's a guy who he's like that. 
but he's also a guy that works and prepares harder than anybody. You know, he was, if you read the latest thing on Steelers.com where he was talking to Teresa Varley, you know, this is a guy that used to come in when it was dark and leave when it was dark. And uh, he said for a while that started to mess with him a little bit, but he was just like, that's the dedication that he shows. I fully anticipate Kenny Pickett to be, uh, a lot better this this year. I think he'll be more consistent. I don't think he's going to be, you know, tearing it up and all pro or anything like that. But I think like a lot of people that are pointing to his touchdown to interception ratio, I think that, yeah, sure, there's some things there in early in the season that, that you look at and you're like, you're not sure about, but you see the way how he finished strong, how he was making the right plays. And also, I think that the Steelers are going to open more up for him. One thing to remember is that last year, their whole bit was run the ball, protect the football, and and win with defense. And this year, I think more liberty is going to be given to Kenny Pickett. I think more is going to be designed around Kenny Pickett. And I think that that's going to allow him to flourish a bit more and look more confident on the field to make more plays. You know, the, the intangibles, everyone loves that word. Like, let's talk about the intangibles. Well, a quarterback yeah. position has a lot of intangibles. And I think Kenny Pickett has them all. He's got the dedication. He's got the work ethic. He's got the study habits. He's got the leadership skills. But I want you to do me a favor. And I want you to paint me a picture of what Kenny Pickett's play might look like next season in contrast to what it looked like this past season. So think about like, well, what would be different? It's the same coordinator. A lot of people are expecting the same old, same old from Matt Canada. But in your opinion, paint the picture of what Kenny Pickett's play will look like in 2023. I think one thing that we didn't see last last year was more aggressive shots in the right moments, because it is, that is one of the hardest things to tell. And I think that people don't understand, uh, you know, when we break down film, because so I think, you know, people that have, that have covered the sport, they understand like, Hey, this was a missed opportunity. Um, and some people are like, Oh man, that means he sucks. It's like, no, listen, like, especially when you're a rookie, Things are moving so fast, you're not sure what is a wide-open receiver versus what is not because defenses are disguising so much. Defender Defenders have such quick reaction times. There's times where Kenny Pickett took some shots, especially early in the season, where he was where it was like, hey, we got what concept you were going for, but you just misread what the defense was doing in that situation. And then towards the end of the season, you saw him not take as many of those shots, but then when he took the the few that he did, they were for big plays and they did get them big, big wins towards the end of games. So I think what you're going to see this year is he's going to understand where to take more of those shots. Like if you go back to the middle part of the season when he was still figuring things out and the Steelers were on a losing streak and it was looking like they were going to have their first losing record under Mike Tomlin. A lot of times you'd go back to the all 22 and you'd see, you know, oh, wow, Claypool was streaking down the middle part of the field. Oh, wow. George Pickens was open over here. And you're just like, man, if only Kenny could have seen that is his vision bad. And it wasn't that his vision was bad. I think that he was very limited in the scope. He was trying to play what he's been coached. He's trying to play the exact scheme. And when you're doing that at the, at, as a rookie in the NFL, it takes time to adapt and fully, you know, one to know how it, how you work into a play, but then know how you can use the play to your advantage against the different defenses that you're facing. And it takes time to get good at that. I mean, go back and look at Joe Burrow's first year. He didn't look amazing. There were times there were flashes, there were moments and there was like, okay, if he puts it together, he can become a really talented guy for, for the Bengals. And lo and behold, Look what he's doing for them now. I, I think, you know, initially I thought LaShawn McCoy, when he made the comparison of Kenny Pickett and Joe Burrow, I was like, man, I don't know about all that. I, I think I'd, I I wouldn't want to put that on Kenny Pickett just yet. But the more and more that I saw of Kenny Pickett in the NFL, I was like, because I covered him in college. I thought that Kenny Pickett would develop well in the NFL and be a good leader for a team. But 
the way that he started to turn things around, I think you're going to see more aggressive shots from him this year in the right moments, and it'll open up so much more for the Steelers' offense because once that passing game's going, it's going to ease things up on the run game. And with an improved offensive line, I think they've already improved it with some of the free agent ads. I expect them to do so again more in the NFL draft. I think you're going to see a much more balanced attack from the Steelers offense. And if they are able to achieve that and make it so, hey, just don't be in like the 20s, get like up into the teens as far as rankings uh, in, in the NFL, in the NFL. And then if the defense can kind of stay at the level that they're at or take a step forward, I think it puts this team in a very competitive spot. And Kenny Pickett being the face of that would be a whole lot uh, of good for this franchise. And I think that he can take that on. So you bring up like some of the changes. And that was my next talking point here. One of the biggest changes that people were talking about, but I don't think it's with the same amount of magnitude that I expected. And that is Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, taking over the reins of this team in terms of the front office. They have been doing things differently. They have been, the approach is different. Now we haven't seen an NFL draft yet. So we only have last uh, post NFL draft. So you talk about the Larry Ogunjobi one-year deal that can be accredited to him. You talk about the chase Claypool trade. Everyone loves that. Uh, But now you're looking at a full free agency. Chris, when you look at what they've done so far, the body of work, what differences do you see from Khan and Weidel, Weedle, however you say his name and the old era of Kevin Colbert? What, what is the difference for you? I, I don't think it's as much of a difference in their philosophies as much as the different of difference of the era. Because when you're signing a, a a franchise quarterback and you have that contract under you, it hinders so much to yeah. of what you what you can do. And I think that for the longest time, the Steelers had to be top heavy because you know with Ben Roethlisberger's contract. And then you you drafted Antonio Brown, you drafted Le'Veon Bell, you had Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro. Those were all really expensive contracts that you all had to kind of balance at one point, especially when they came off their rookie deals. Um, and then you're also trying to make a defense work uh, with Cam Hayward and eventually T.J. Watt came in at the end of that sort of push with the with the the killer bees. But I I think that Kevin Colbert never had the chance with a full well after Ben Roethlisberger got started getting paid pay in the NFL he didn't he hadn't had the chance for about a decade to fill out the roster with veterans the way that they're trying to do right now with Isaac Samalo coming in at, at, at guard and then even getting Nate Herbig behind him while you already have Dotson and Daniels and Cole as your interior offensive lineman. Uh, I, I think by getting Patrick Peterson and keeping on Levi Wallace and Akella Witherspoon and guys like that um uh I think that those are all um, I think that it's the, the, the Steelers are much deeper at so many positions and with reasonable contracts. You know, you're not seeing them sign Tremaine Edmonds to eight million, eighteen million dollars a year or something like that. You're not seeing them sign Odell Beckham Jr. to to a super, super contract. They're getting veterans across the board so that they can be confident about them. Like Faden Chihoko, uh, Faden like the the um the you know, the defensive tackle they they got. He's bringing depth to the position. They got Armin Watts depth to to, to the position. And I think that those are things that the Steelers haven't had. They've been very top heavy and then when you look down the board it's a lot of practice squad guys it's a lot of guys that you know probably wouldn't be on the team if they could afford you know more better guys and i think that's what you're seeing difference with those guys they want this depth around around the board and then they want to strike on really talented players future x-factor players in the nfl draft um whether they're on the the, the, the offensive line the defensive line cornerback wherever and i think that that's that's the that's the way you want to build especially when you have a quarterback under rookie contract who you have confidence in see when you look at like andy weidel's 
time in the NFL. He was Baltimore. He's with Philadelphia. One of the one, one of the crowning achievements, or I guess you could say one of his targets and his jobs and the way he structured a roster was always through the trenches. The Steelers have definitely, yeah. like you said, fortified the offensive and defensive lines. I want to ask you about certain players and where you see them. Now, this is pre-NFL draft, so obviously this can change based on the draft picks. I'm thinking about a player like Isaiah Loudermilk. I'm thinking about a player like Kevin Dotson even, or even a Kendrick Green. Mm. Those three players just off the top of my head. Do they have a spot on this roster in 2023? Or are they fighting for their their lives, essentially, to make the team? These are all so drafted said, players, mind you. You So you said Loudermilk, Dotson, and who? Uh, the last one was Kendrick Green. Oh, yeah, Kendrick Green. Um, so People forget he's on the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people do. Because he, he wasn't active for the entire exactly. season. Exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Marquise, Marquise Pouncey spoke up about him and said, like, oh, he, he'll he'll find a spot. But I, I think a lot of these guys need to, are, are, need to recognize this is the year. I got to prove myself or I'm in trouble. Um, you know, I think Isaiah Loudermilk has a little bit more space because he was a late-round draft pick and – uh, you know, he's, he's a depth guy. He has a, and he has a frame and build that they love. Like, you know, he's, yeah. he's Cam Hayward's size just without Cam Hayward's strength. And so they're going to be patient with him, but Kevin Dotson's on his last year of his contract. This has to be a year where he steps up or he's going to be hitting free agency. Um, and especially with Daniels and Samalo as guys that they've signed already, let alone they have, they, they still might draft another interior offensive lineman. Um, you know, Kevin Dotson has to recognize, man, I got to really step up this year, if not just for the Steelers, to prove that I'm going to be a valuable free agent um, when I hit the market. So I, I think that he, he his time is is short. And Kendrick Green, I mean, if you don't play for an team in, for an entire season and there's no word that you were injured during that period, that's a bad sign. And uh, I, I think that Kendrick Green, you know, if Kevin Dotson's in trouble, Kendrick Green's definitely in trouble. And I think Kevin Dotson will last the year because he, he's under his rookie deal. Like they, there's no reason to get rid of him. But if Kendrick Green's taking up a roster spot that could be better used by someone else, uh, I think the Steelers would cut ties with him as much as a third round draft pick oh. would be protected. I think he's going to, I think again, he's going to get his chance, uh, but he has to show that he's more, uh, that he's, he's more in control than he was uh, because you know, if you're not even being called upon to fill in on any part of the interior, I mean, J.C. Hansenhauer took his spot. You know, not just not just Mason Cole who they signed, but J.C. Hansenhauer passed him up in the depth chart last year at center. Just not a not a good look. So all all I think the save of those is Loudermilk. Dotson's in his final year, so I think he's just in a kind of he's just kind of stuck unless he beats out two really good veterans. He's going to be on the bench. Um, but Kendrick Green definitely needs to watch for watch. He needs to make progress big time this year. I want to ask you, we talked about intrigue. It's kind of in the title of the podcast. When it comes to the center position, I think there's a lot of intrigue there. I don't hear yeah. a lot of conversations surrounding it. A lot of people are very comfortable with Mason Cole, and I am too. But, you know, you have a lot of flexibility with these players that have been added either last year or this year. James Daniels played center at Iowa. Um, he's also dabbled in it in the NFL if necessary. Sayamalo has also played some center. Herbig snapped the football on occasion. I don't think he's a center, but in an emergency situation, he could probably handle the duties for the time spent. What are your thoughts on the center position moving forward? This can kind of merge into the NFL draft talk, which we're going to get to next in terms of this is a center class. It is they've got some players that could turn into some really good starters mm -hmm. down the road. How do you see the Steelers approaching the center position both maybe with what they have on the roster. We brought up Kendrick Green already, as well as going into the NFL draft and this draft class being pretty good, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? 
I, I think that the Steelers should feel comfortable at center to not reach if they don't have to. But I also think that they should be prepared that if they're sitting there, if they think that John Michael Schmitz is a really talented guy at 32 and the, he's the top of their board, they need to not be afraid to go get that guy. And I understand Mason Cole has done well. I gave him a B grade on my on the year uh, when I did my end of the year grades for Locked on Steelers. Um, and I think that Mason Cole, he's stabilized the line. And he will continue to stabilize the line. You can you can win with Mason Cole at center. But my John Michael Schmitz looks to me like a future captain-like center who can lead the offensive line for the next decade or so and be a player that you count upon to dominate and to communicate and to be you know a pillar player of this offensive line. Because I think what they've done is they've gotten solid role players on the offensive line. James Daniels is really good at right guard. I think he's even starting to elevate even more than a role player. I think Mason Cole is a good role player at center. I think Takuma Korfor is solid. He just hasn't taken the steps forward to be a dominant offensive tackle. But I also think that with his being so young, that's just part of natural strength that comes when you start to get into your older 20s. Um, and then Dan Moore Jr., I think a good role player who's fit in. He's he's the worst of the bunch, but still he's still he's still able to bring something to the table there. Now I think that they've these are all good, well and good, but like the last great Steelers offensive lines, like the, the mid 2010s, that was built because they had star talent, and then they filled around them with role players: Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, and for a time, Marcus Gilbert was a star that just didn't get recognized, um, and that allowed Ramon Foster, Alejandro Villanueva, Kelvin Beecham, those type of guys who weren't all pros, but they could hold their own, and they could they could kind of be really great teammates for the stars on the other parts of the line. The Steelers now need those stars on their line if they want to be a dominant offensive line. Maybe Isaac Samalo is going to be one. I thought he was really tough for the Eagles. I still think they need to draft one, maybe two in this draft if they can, uh, whether it's offensive tackle, where I know everyone wants them to get, but I wouldn't overlook John Michael Schmitz. Schmitz. Uh, he's my top center in this class. I think Joe Tipman uh, is my number two center in this class um, out of Wisconsin. Those two guys right there, Big Ten boys, I think that if they got either one of them, the center position would take a step forward and have kind of your pillar piece moving forward. Because out of all the Steelers Super Bowls that they've won, there's only been one where they didn't have like a really good center. And that was the 2008 uh, year oh, where, uh, you know, where Hartwig. the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what I mean, Justin Hartwig. Yeah, Justin Hartwig. I mean, <laughs> and not just not just not to slight him, but I mean, the other groups. You know, Marquise Pouncey was in the 2010, you know, should have been in the 2010. Dan Ligurski was the center of that Super Bowl 45. Right. But, but, but Pouncey being there all year was a huge. Doug Ligurski, not Dave. Doug Ligurski. Yes. But again, he was a backup because Pouncey yeah. was phenomenal that year. 2005 was Jeff Harding's awesome, awesome player. Mike Webster, Ray Mansfield, all those guys. They were all part of the great. And Dermotti Dawson when they went to the Super Bowl in the 90s. And so you think. Center has always been such an important part of the Steelers. I think that getting one in the draft wouldn't hurt. Okay, so let me ask you this follow-up question. Right now, predict the starting five in 2023, starting offensive lineman from left tackle to right tackle. And if you think it's going to be a new player or a rookie, you can just say rookie. Like, you don't have to okay. say it's going to be Paris Johnson and they're going to trade up. You don't need to do that. But if you think, like, rookie, just say that that instead of uh, – but if you're predicting right now, Putting you on the spot. The starting five for the Steelers offensive line in 2023 are what? Go ahead. All right. Left tackle, rookie. Oh, okay. <laughs> left left guard, Samalo. Center, Cole. Uh, right guard, Daniels. Right tackle, a core four. All right. I'm writing that down. I'm going to hold you, you to it. There you go. Now, <laughs> you say rookie. 
Let's talk about the NFL draft. Sure. What rookie do you have your eye on to beat out Dan Moore at left Man. tackle? Man. See, here's the thing. If they draft, if they do not get one of my top three guys on the board, um, I, I think Dan Moore Jr. keeps his job. Um, in my order here, and I know it's a little different than some, I love Broderick Jones. He's mm-hmm. my top. I know that Peter Scrantz is better at technique. I think Paris Johnson is more of a prototypical offensive tackle. But I think Broderick Jones at left tackle would be a dominant force of a, for, for the Steelers. He can run block. He can pass protect. He has the strength. I think Darnell Wright, a lot of people have talked about him being more of a right tackle than a left. I think that the Steelers need a left tackle, and I think that that would be best. Um, but uh, Broderick Jones, if they can trade up and get him, I don't think he falls down to – uh, to 17 if he does happy day um yeah. but um you know i think if they traded up and they got broderick jones or paris johnson you know, they could get peter skaronsky but i do agree with his build maybe he's more of an interior offensive lineman uh which he's another guy that maybe you draft and you're like hey you know what we're just boosting talent in the offensive line wherever we get it um but yeah broderick jones is, is the guy there but if it's you know anton harrison or even dewan jones or, you know, Matthew Bergeron, they might not beat out Dan Moore because one thing you got to remember is they're adjusting to the NFL. Like I was talking about with Kenny Pickett, it's going to take time. Dan Moore Jr. is going to be in his third year. So, like, whereas Dan Moore Jr. hasn't been great, he also hasn't been, you know, the worst offensive tackle ever. And I think that he's going to have made enough progress to be like, hey, I can battle with a top-of-the-line rookie that comes through. So it's part of why I've started to lean more to the Steelers taking an offensive tackle in the first round, even if it does involve trading up. Uh, to get higher in in the ranks because I think when you look at this class, what they need at offensive tackle, if they were to draft an offensive tackle, would be a top tier guy who could come in soon and not just be another developmental project uh, that that waits for down the line. Whereas you can get, I think, cornerbacks who can come in and either start or just be on the fringe of starting and be comfortable with that in the second and maybe in the third round. That's just how deep that class is this year. There's there's depth in the in, in the in the offensive tackle class for guys that you know maybe I would consider taking in later rounds, but those guys aren't the starters that uh, that I think that they need an offensive tackle. So you you think that they if they were to get Broderick Jones, they're going to have to trade up. I mean, it would, I think it would so. take like a David DeCastro miracle for him to get to seventeen. Right. I, I just think and, and those things happen. I mean, Kim Hayward falling to 31 is still ridiculous when you th- when you think back to that, and the Steelers couldn't believe that that happened. So like. This is also the Steelers betting on, you know, how does this happen? You know, we did a locked on mock draft and, you know, the tackles made it to about 13, but then they ran off the board in succession in 13, 14 and 15. And I was like, well, you know, so there goes that. Um, But I do think that that's going to be how it happened. A tackle is such an important position for so many teams. And there's enough teams that need offensive tackles ahead of the Steelers that I just think that unless, unless all five quarterbacks are drafted, and like two or three receivers, I think that uh, there's going to be all three of those offensive tackles are going to be off the board. And then Nick, you could get done all right, but then you're probably flipping him to right tackle. You're going to say Chooks, you and Dan Moore battling over left tackle. Um, Chooks didn't exactly fit in at left tackle last time, which I still don't understand how because that just seems like his. That seems like a position that he would be better at than right tackle. But here nor there. Um, yeah, but I think they have to go get him early. If they're going to go get a guy that starts now, they could get one of these later guys. Like, you know, I covered a guy, Carter Warren for Pitt. I think he'd be a good addition in the fourth round, but he'd be a guy that would take some time to develop and kind of be another one of those role players. Like I said, I think they need a star on the offensive line, and that's either going to have to happen with offensive tackle in the first round or with center slash interior offensive line in the second round. 
Okay, so let's let's wrap this up with a little prediction. The Steelers obviously have three picks in the top 50, and this is uncharted waters for the Steelers. They normally don't have this many picks in the top 50 in the NFL draft. Let's just talk about those three picks, see where you think they go with those three picks. Not necessarily in order, but if you were to go look at positions, not players, not specific prospects, positionally, where do you think the Steelers attack or approach those three picks in this upcoming draft? I think the two positions that you probably find in the first round uh, are uh, offensive tackle, cornerback. Those are two primary. I think defensive line is the next up. Um, But I also am not sure how they view this defensive line class because I think Jalen Carter's still definitely going to be gone. I don't I don't buy too much into the the dropping of his draft stock. I think that he's still a supreme talent that everyone's going to be into. Um, I know that they now they need an edge, but I'm not so sure that they don't need to get that they need to get one with their with their 17th overall pick. Um, I'm not so sure how high they're on a Brian Bressy of uh, of Clemson. Um, You know, I think he he looks the part physically, but I'm not sure if he, if they, if they grade him to be that high of a defensive lineman that they want to take at 17th overall. Um, so it comes down to, in my mind, you know, cornerback and offensive tackle, because you can get a lot of really good value there. But here's the thing is that I really think that Omar Khan and Andy Waddle recognize that not only do they have a unique opportunity with four picks in the top, top while a 80 here, but that's gives them the ammunition to be aggressive and they can be aggressive trading up or trading down. They know that with the 17th overall pick, you have two second round picks. You know, if you can find a way to trade 1749 and maybe a seventh round pick or a future pick and you move up, you know, you know, five to six spots to get into a position to take one of those offensive tackles or corners that you really want, you do that. I think you put yourself in a good position. And then when the first day is over and of the draft and the second round's, you know, going to start in 24 hours or whatever, and then team C oh, man, Nolan Smith fell to the second round. Oh, man, uh, you know, Brian Branch is still there or Miles Murphy still, you know, there's always going to be yep. a, a really talented guy that people are like, I can't believe he fell out of the first round. And the Steelers are going to be sitting there with that first pick and there's going to be teams calling, in, hey, what does it take to get that pick? And I think that that's where the Steelers can strike. If they trade up with, with 17, they can trade back with 32 and still get four picks in the top 80. Just one of them might be a top, 14 pick maybe even a top 10 pick if they get when i get really aggressive but um i think that that's their move is that first round offensive tackle corner um and then second round that's where you'll see them get really interesting if, if they were to stay put at 32 and 49 i could see center i could see linebacker i could see still defensive lineman i could see edge coming there i also could see receiver i think that's another thing that they've done is that with the way that they've balanced the roster they're not locked in on needing to get this position or that position and that's it or they're doomed i think that they have they have got enough depth across the board that they can go kind of wherever they want they can get a safety if they want they can get a tight end if they want it they could get you know a center if they want it they the one thing i think that they they don't need to draft early the two things running back and quarterback the intrigue is going to be exciting i know that you're as excited as i am to cover this to see what the steelers do and the direction they go man it's going to be exciting but the chris i want to thank you for your time Tell everyone where they can find your work, whether it's on Locked On, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and social media. 
You can also you can find me all the time at Carter Critiques on Twitter and Instagram. Hit me up there. Always down to chat with you guys. Thanks so much for everyone who reaches out to me there. But you can also watch me or listen to me on the Locked On Steelers podcast. It's a Monday through Friday show I do for the Locked On Podcast Network. Steelers all day, every day, just 30 minute episodes. We crank them out. We get your questions on the show. We do a lot of that great stuff. And then uh, you can also find my work at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, post-gazette.com, where I cover all things Pitt Athletics. If you're excited about the Pitt Panthers, if you're a Pitt Panther fan, I was just covering the Blue Gold Spring game on Saturday. It was a really good showing that I think it's going to be another strong Panthers year for them. So you can get all my takes on that at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And then you can also watch me at Channel 11 WPXI on Pittsburgh, where I'm often on their Sunday night shows and Friday night shows when we do high school football, everything. So it's a lot of stuff, but you can you can kind of follow it all at my, my, my Twitter uh, at Carter Critiques. What it comes down to is if you can't find Chris Carter, you're trying not to find him. He's everywhere. Yeah. So I mean, I literally, if you... He's everywhere. Now there's that damn Chris Carter again. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, as always, it's been a blast, man. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. No problem. Take it easy. All right. And a big thank you to Chris. I know that he is a, he's unbelievably busy and he does so much different. He's, he's, he's all over the place. Like I said, at the end of the conversation, the dude's everywhere. If you, if you can't find Chris Carter, you've got problems. So, I think everyone that listens to my show, because he's been on my show several times, knows about Chris, knows what he does. Very professional guy. I do appreciate him taking the time. Make sure you check out his work, especially if you like the Pitt Panthers. He's doing some great work for the Post-Gazette. Now, I want to remind all my Ride or Die crew out there on Tuesday, make sure you're on the lookout for that tweet, that tweet being mailbag time. I'm going to ask questions for the mailbag. All you have to do is find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T, And all you have to do is you have to make sure that you're being on the lookout, answer or respond to that, I should say. I will see it. I will answer it live on Wednesday's show. It's good stuff. I always enjoy the questions from the Ride or Die crew. Hey, we're getting real close to the draft. I'm sure you have a lot of questions, and I'll have a lot of answers. In the meantime, folks, that does it for me on this Monday. I hope you have a great start to your week. Hope you have a great lead up to the NFL draft. I'll be back on Wednesday. You know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.